The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're so happy to have you along with us for this ride. And, and you know, this past week, what a week. I, I have to just uh, admit that. Had that perfect balance of, of work-life balance as I was in Tampa Bay for the national championship game. Didn't really have a dog in the fight as, as my Tennessee volunteers were, were somewhat of a disappointment this season. Uh, but was with one of my uh, best friends and business partner as a huge Alabama fan. Uh, so we went uh, early in, and experienced all of the hoopla for the national championship game. Uh, and, you know, not really being tied to either team can say what a fantastic ball game that was to be a part of. Uh, fantastic atmosphere, sitting next to an Alabama fan on my left and a Clemson fan on my right. Uh, just had a great time. Uh, prior to that, though, ran into uh, somebody that I hadn't seen since high school graduation. I won't say how many years that was, uh, but uh, he was a high school volleyball player of the year, was on my team, somebody uh, that I go back to the seventh grade with, and uh, found out, you know, prior to social media, you know, you just bumped into people. Uh, We actually lived in the same city for a year and had no idea, uh, but got a chance to to run into an old friend and, and reminisce and Got to see him and rekindle that relationship, which was a fantastic time. And then again, just talking about coming full circle, coming back, uh, was was sitting in the gate uh, in in Tampa, getting ready to board a flight, coming back to Birmingham, and and kept seeing this guy. And it, you know, it's just I, I knew I knew him. And he happened to choose the seat right behind me, and asked him his name. And when he told me, it you know all the memories flooded back. But when I started to look at potentially becoming a speaker and just wanted to hone my uh, public speaking skills, I joined Toastmasters, which I think is a phenomenal organization, something that a lot of people should do. Uh, Whether you want to do public speaking or not, it's just a great organization to get out there and try. A lot of people have a fear of public speaking. I think a lot of that fear is just that lack of opportunity to try. And so I had joined Toastmasters and did that through a local club here in Birmingham. And this guy was my mentor. And so when I went to the bank at M South Bank years ago, I watched somebody who was supposed to be uh, somebody I was looking to interview for my PMO. And he just bombed the interview, but it was just due to nervousness. He just really couldn't collect his thoughts. And so I decided to open up a Toastmasters club for the bank. And to do that, you need somebody from another club to mentor the club. And I chose this gentleman. And again, hadn't seen him in probably 15, 20 years and bumped into him at the plane. And so when he asked me what I was doing, I said, you know, I'm a a professional speaker now. I've got a radio show. And so he invited me back to my club 
that I started years ago to, to give a speech and, and tell everybody, you know, what I'm up to. So, again, full circle, really cool. Uh, and then, you know, had to get back into business this week. So it's been a really weird week, but a nice blend of work-life balance, kind of practicing what I preach. Uh, upcoming events, uh, we've got uh, Nashville coming up next week. Uh, I've had several people reaching out to me via social media that's going to be there. So I'm looking forward to spending some time with those people um, that have reached out. But I'll be in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, doing the lunch meeting for PMI uh, chapter there on Tuesday and then a full day seminar on Wednesday. So looking forward to you guys. And sorry for the uh, unusually long kind of lead in, but uh, wow, just what a week, right? A crazy week. But we've got a fantastic guest. And again, a, a neat story there. Somebody I met five years ago, um, and one of the first people that came up to me and said, "Hey, uh, would you mind mind uh, you know being kind of a mentor?" And it's a weird position for me because you know I don't really consider myself in in that mentoring role. I'm you know in this profession there are people that are like, "Why, yes, I'll be a mentor," and and that's really not my position. Um, I'm one of these people that, you know, anybody who asks, anybody who wants to reach out, we're there. And and I think, you know, I, I was one that blazed my own trail and kind of tried to learn everything on my own. And I'm always welcome to reach out and help out to anybody who asks. And, and this person took me up on that, was like, hey, will, will you help? And at any time, you know, anywhere, sure, we'll, we'll be there. Um, and since then, she has, has been on a tear. Um, and she herself is a passionate speaker, now an author, uh, consultant at Two Hill Consulting Services. Her experience as an engineer and certified project management professional in upstream oil and gas uh, IT provides really real-world insight into how people and teams can excel. Uh, she's been recognized for her excellent communication, leadership, and team-building skills. Uh, she's helped her clients overcome countless challenges. Her international cross-functional business knowledge shapes her perspective of change management and seasons her presentations. Throughout her career, she's led diverse teams and delivered high-impact workshops all over the world. Before establishing her consultancy in 2006, she enjoyed a colorful uh, career with Schlumberger, advancing from a field engineer to a program manager. And in her tenure uh, with the oil field services giant, she not only managed technical and business implementations, uh, she also learned to drive an 18-wheeler, which uh, I don't know, but, but maybe we can take one out back and see what's up. Uh, she holds a BS in petroleum engineering uh, from Texas A&M University, uh, which kind of hurts my heart uh, based on the season this year. And she's got 20 years in leadership and talent development. So let's bring in Alana Hill. Alana, how are you doing? I'm great, Rick. How are you today? I'm hanging, man. I'm hanging. So good to hear from you again, because again, we met five years ago at an event, um, and it was actually a really special time in your life. Tell everybody about that real quick before we get into to who you are. It was. You know, and as I was telling you, Rick, you know, you have a special place in Hill family history. Um, I met you on the same day that my oldest son rang the cancer-free bell. And so not only was I on cloud nine because, you know, he was at that moment declared cancer-free, but, um, you know, just transitioning from, you know, the role of a mom and caregiver and then going to a professional um, event was just an interesting transition. And then, lo and behold, I meet you. <laughs> and as you pointed out in the intro, that next morning after we'd had a chance to chat quite a bit that day, that next morning I just prayed about it and I walked up to you and I said, hey, Rick, would you be my mentor? <laughs> and you were like, um, yeah. Sure. <laughs> and the rest, as they say, is uh, Rick and Elena history. 
That it is. That it is. And since then, you've got some some books out yourself, doing some consulting on your own. So tell us more about yourself. Uh, well, Rick, as I mentioned, you know, so um, being a, uh, first and foremost um, a woman of faith, um, and I'm a mom. I've got uh, four boys. So um, as if project management and leading a team weren't enough, you know, I lead a, a basketball team at home. Um, um, They've 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 grown, and actually, unfortunately, my oldest son, who had rang the cancer-free bell that day, um, had since passed away. Um, so we lost him, um, and actually, that was three years ago uh, this past Wednesday. So as you were describing your week, I've had quite a few ups and downs this week um, as a result of that. Um, but um, you know, aside from um, being a very heart-led and spirit-led. Um, woman and mother. I'm a consultant. I've been in project management for 20 years and, um, you know, just really love motivating and inspiring my teams um, to overcome challenges. I've worked primarily in the oil and gas sector, which as we know right now is still um, in the midst of um, very difficult times. Um, you know, and those are the kind of things that, you know, establish you um, in change leadership, uh, whether you want to or not. They build your resilience whether you want it or not. Um, and so it's a matter of um, having just kind of, as I mentioned, kind of having that colorful history of working cross functions and working with a variety of people. And I've had a, um, a great ride, and I'm looking forward to um, all that there is to come in the future. Yeah, and I think, you know, you and I, as much as we've talked, um, I don't think we've really gotten into the, the personal stuff as much. And what's interesting is um, I think that's what's drawn us together without us knowing it. So, yeah. you know, I've got the book that's that's coming out uh, at the end of January now. Um, and But what has shaped me and even shaped me in this role is I lost both of my parents to cancer and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, lost my son, uh, my, son my father, um, at a very young age, and um, that really shaped kind of who I was and, and, and what I needed to become, even though I wasn't really ready to lose, you know, my father figure at, at that age, uh, and he was a project manager, um, even though I didn't know what that was, and he, he was running, you know, software company at the time and wanted me to take over the family business, and, you know, I sure showed him because I wasn't going to follow in his footsteps uh, as I primarily do exactly what he does. Um, even though I had to blaze my own trail. Um, and, and so what's interesting is, is I think even though we try to stay away from all of that, you know, our personal struggles is what brings so much passion into what we speak about and what we write about. Um, so what really inspired you to write the book about your personal struggles? Well, actually what it was, so what inspired me to write it was when I came to the realization that, you know, None of that was for me. It wasn't just for my benefit, for my learning. It was so that that knowledge and that experience could pass through me. Um, you know, losing, you know, I, and I start, the, the order that I, that I uh, published the books was I published the book about the journey of my, uh, with our oldest son's cancer. Um, I published that first because, quite frankly, at the time it was easier. Um, it was easier to tell the story because, you know, it, in, it involved things like ringing the cancer-free bell and um, the trials and triumphs at, at MD Anderson and, you know, all the highs and lows that came with that. He was 18 when he was diagnosed, so his diagnosis was a very bittersweet, complicated situation because it's one that brought him back to our family. We had been going through some family dynamic struggles, um, and so that, you know, it created a reconciliation um, while at the same time, you know, 
praying, hoping, and waiting for his cancer to be uh, to be healed. Um, and so, just that that journey, because it because it had so many layers, um, I just felt that I had to share it. I was actually um, sharing it in real time with um, a group of family and friends, and that that list got bigger and bigger. This was before I quite knew and understood blogging, but, um, you know, I was sending out bulk email to some family and friends, and some of those would get forwarded around and around and around, and I would get feedback from people that would say, wow, your story is really inspiring me, and I would get email, you know, hey, where's my update? I haven't seen an update from you in a week, and so I began to realize and recognize um, how beneficial that story was for other people, and that's, you know... That's what it's all about, really, is what we do um, with our situation for other people, for his glory. And um, so that's what what, um, encouraged me to write that first one. And interestingly enough, I was at the point in my life, you mentioned losing your father young, I was at the point in my life where I was ready to um, write the story and publish the story about my mother's passing. It was actually that book that I was talking to you about when we spoke. Remember, I don't know if you recall, I was talking about putting my passion into print. Um, and I was trying to find the words for that story. And so I'd begin writing that while still in the middle of the journey with my oldest son. And so... Um, that's why it was published later. And interestingly enough, there were chapters of that or components of that that didn't get developed until later. So, um, you know, we say that, you know, art imitates life, and there were just some things that needed to be uh, worked out in my heart um, to be able to really make that uh, book have the impact that it needed. And that's that second one. That's Love as a Catalyst, uh, The Pain Behind the Purpose. And that one is um, is 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 certainly uh, more transparent and deeper into the depth of, of overcoming challenges and overcoming obstacles. Um, you know, my mother was murdered um, the weekend, actually, into the first weekend of my senior year in high school. Um, so it was a very, very, you know, difficult time uh, in my life. It's a, it's, a, it's a tough time for teens as it is, um, and then you add in that component. And so it was something that took years to heal, and as it did, and I reflected back on that healing while my son um, was going through his journey. So it all began to intertwine, and I wanted to share it, um, you know, for, for the glory of God and for the benefit and inspiration of man. And so if, if everyone listening doesn't hear the passion and love and, and you know, it, it's amazing to hear how positive you are as, as you sound like you're beaming on the other side of, of the phone as you're, you're talking about these very dark subjects, but that's what drew me to you and, and why, you know, people just want to be around you um, because you speak of these wonderful things, even though they, they blossomed out of, you know, things that can absolutely destroy people. And, and we want to hear more of that when we come back on the other side of the break. But while we're on the break, visit the Miss Engineer Way, which is T-H-E-M-S engineerway.com and you can go find these books uh, this this love is a catalyst series and, and find a lot more about uh, Alana Elena as well um, uh, and uh, we'll be right back uh, on the other side of this break you're listening to Rick Morris the work-life balance Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? 
R Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand, they are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end -end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back at the Work-Life Balance. And uh, we're visiting with Elena Hill. She's uh, written a beautiful series called, uh, you know, The Love is a Catalyst uh, series. And, and she just said, you know, a phrase which, you know, brings me all the way back to that initial conversation that uh, that she had. She, you know, when she first uh, came up to me, as, as several people do, they asked me, you know, how did I get published? What did I follow? And there's a wonderful book. It's not even, you know, in print anymore. But uh, when I first went to do my first book, I found this wonderful book called Putting Your Passion into Print. And I followed, you know, that that formula and uh, did it the hard way, and it took several years. And you know, it was interesting that what you were just talking about about this second book and and, and how it it took some time to come out. And the way No Day But to, But Today came for me is, you know, five years ago is when I thought this book would come out. And to me, you know, I, I let a couple of no's uh, come at me to to shut that down. And it wasn't until I was at a John Maxwell event last year. That basically I heard um, in my heart that that I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to mm -hmm. tell the story. I wasn't ready to develop the story. I, I wasn't mature enough 
uh, to lead the path that I needed to lead to be able to tell the story the, the proper way. I needed some more life experiences. And one of those was actually in oil and gas and it, that, that basically led me through a series about a depression. Um, and, and it's funny because when people see us speak and do the things that we do um, and lead the way that we do, um, you know, I'm a very happy person. I'm a very passionate person and, and um you know, we have that persona, but a lot of times it's these dark places that we have to come out of that are our greatest teachers. Talk a little bit about that and in, in what that struggle was for you to be able to to bring the light of something like love as a catalyst. No, that's that's absolutely right. It's those dark points that that define us. And I mean, I know for me, in um, in the delay in in, in getting the book out, um, there was of course, you know, there was some frustration. Those were delays on my part. I was self-publishing, um, but you know, God was just really developing the rest of the story so that um, so that I would have His, you know, the proper perspective of those hurts. In my life, I um, mean, as I as I cover in the book, you know, not only losing my mother um, ultimately, but I actually lost her at 12 years old to her drug addiction. So I went through middle school and high school um, with a mother who, and this is in the um, in the 80s. I'll certainly date myself. Who was addicted to crack cocaine, and um, you know, so the so what I found out later, or what I realized later, was that had a, a greater impact on me than um, her actual death did. And so it was it was there were a lot of layers to um, to unravel in um, in ensuring that the story uh, captured what it needed to capture and the point of how we move past our um, our hurts and in in this particular case and in most cases is finding the purpose in our pain and that was what um, that was where my delay was and that's where I get to look back and and I'm thankful for the delay because it was um, it was something that was put in a crock pot. And I love my Crock-Pot chili. It's just so much better than anything you cook in the microwave. And, and I think that that's so important. And what this show is really all about is how we can waste easily how so many people waste a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when we go through what, what you and I have been through, when, when we certainly have lost um, what we've lost – how important each and every day can be. And so when somebody looks at you, and I know you get this question all the time, because I get the question all the time, how do you accomplish so much in a Mm -hmm. single day? Yeah, how do you do it? And what's your response to that? My res- my response to that is um, is is faith. I mean, I I when I look in the mirror, my eyes look up. Um, I know where my help comes from. I know where my strength comes from. Um, I'm very much a um, a a a spirit led, passionate woman who um, I just der- I derive my faith and my strength from um, from God. And um, you know, the reality is everyone has faith in something. I mean, even those who, you know, in my opinion, um, and I'd say unfortunately, but even those who don't necessarily follow a religious faith, uh, they have faith in something. They have either faith in their abilities, faith in things to work out. Um, and just faith is just such an important component in our lives and, and acknowledging that things happen uh, beyond our control, beyond our circumstances, and um, not always for us and about us. That's a beautiful answer. Yeah, and I I always look as why not today, right? Yeah. <laughs> when when else am I going to accomplish this or get it done? And and so you know I have 
I have a, a chart in front of me every day to make sure that I advance every role that I have in life. And, and people say that's a very disciplined thing, but it's it's the truth is is that I need to make sure that every day I accomplish something that uh, for every role that I play, whether that be entrepreneur and business owner, but certainly as also, you know, father and husband and friend and, and you know, everything else that I do in life. But I don't, and people think it could be a morbid thought, but I don't think it's morbid either. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. And so I can't yeah. let things, I, I don't push things off my to-do list to tomorrow because I can't waste today. You know, I have today. That's what I know I have. Um, and so it's interesting because that morphs in, I think, into how we lead and how we look at um, things that change in our lives and in um so how is how are some of these things that have happened to you in your past, and, and certainly, um, you know how you look and lead at other people? How how do you see this kind of morph into your leadership style? Well, I think first and foremost, it 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 really has built an empathy in me that um, I think some people have difficulty even understanding. Um, you know, and I, I would say this often in youth ministry in some of my early leadership positions um, is that there's very few things that, there are very few circumstances that I can't relate to. And even if I can't relate to it directly, um, I've, had an, I've had such a variety of life experiences that I can relate to it in some way or another. Um, someone losing a loved one, I can relate to that. Someone losing health. So, there are so many uh, losses and life changes that I relate to, and um, that has built a sense of empathy in me that we know servant leaders need. Um, you know, when we can lead our teams from a perspective of what they need and what, um, what's going on in their world. Uh, you know, even when we look in project management, I, I say all the time, you know, when we create our project plan, um, it, it's no good of a project plan if we don't account for life. And when... Um, when you've had the type of life experiences I've had, uh, risk management in a project becomes, you know, just about every possible scenario because I've seen so many of them. So it just has really given me, I think, a heart of compassion and empathy uh, for the people I lead and the people who may be impacted by the change that I'm leading. And so you, you said change. So what, what is different then, do you think, between leadership and change leadership? Well, I think so. When you, we look at leadership, we look at those core set of um, those core set of skills, if you will, that every leader needs to have. You know, communication, delegation. Um, you know, the ability to be organized, which you and I were joking about. Um, you know, just those core set of, of skills that leaders need to possess. Um, you know, and that's not. You, it's not about getting through anything static versus dynamic, and that's that's not the distinction. So I want to start with what the distinction is not, um, but it is really this, the distinction of having that additional level of people understanding to know how people are impacted by the change that you're leading. So it's a combination of change management and leadership that brings together a discipline of change leadership um, that you know really helps uh, accelerate change in teams and in organizations. I think that's interesting. And, and it, not only that, but I think when you're doing change, people are more afraid of that than they mm -hmm. are of just about anything else. And the reality is for a lot of people, change is change is loss. You know, they, they lose control, they lose understanding, they lose stability. 
Um, and so when we recognize as leaders how to approach change from that standpoint, I mean, I always think back to the first initiative I had to roll out in the oil field. Um, you know, some of the best laid plans, you know, in, in headquarters sound great until you go roll them out into the field. And, uh, you know, to encounter people who were concerned about their job security, concerned about the extensive learning curve because, you know, we were digitizing things that had never been digitized um, and in, and requiring people who had zero, and I mean zero, I mean zero, uh, PC proficiency to then take on an automated computer-based system. So when you look at things from um, the level of emotions that are involved in change by their very nature, um, I think that makes us more effective change leaders. I think that's fair, and, and I have seen I have seen that <laughs> myself. <laughs> now, more more so in banking, but you know, oil oil and gas is a very 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 tough industry, but one that w- was slow to adopt change, but at the same time had the money to adopt change. It, it was yeah. an interesting dichotomy that I saw. Um, specifically in that industry. But uh, we're going to take another quick break. We're going to let the sponsors pay some bills for us, and we're going to be right back uh, on the Work-Life Balance. But before we call, uh, please go check out these books. It's The Misengineer Way. It's The Misengineer, T-H-E-M-S, engineerway.com. Check out these books. We'll be right back on the other side of this break. You're listening to Rick Morris, The Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment, and not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward, and the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy, and the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we are back on the Work-Life Balance. Uh, wanted to give a shout-out uh, to a great friend, uh, uh, Wayne Brady. We, we got great news uh, this past week that he landed the role of Aaron Burr at the uh, Chicago production of Hamilton. Uh, so we're so excited. Uh, we're already looking at dates and when we can go uh, join Wayne. Um, you know, we've seen him uh, in Chicago. We've seen him in Kinky Boots. Uh, I got to see him do one of my favorite plays, Rent, at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, and he's absolutely going to kill Hamilton. So we cannot wait for that. So uh, congratulations to Wayne. Uh, we know that you're going to do well and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon there, brother. So uh, uh, back with Alana uh, Hill. And I don't know why I've, I've now got some sort of impediment on your name. So I do that every single time, every single time. Uh, but uh, anyway, so coming back. Uh, you know, we were talking about you know, some of the, the, our life lessons in the way that really affects us um, in how that's really shaped our project management career. We talked a little bit about um, oil and gas and and uh, how do you take that now and just really apply that to, you know, life lessons and in, in how you approach kind of – not only do I want to talk about that, but then I want to talk about reversing that and turning into some parental lessons as well. But let's start with the life lessons. So, so the life lessons from, I'm sorry, from the book? From the book, yes, ma'am. Okay, yeah, so sorry. The, so the life lessons from the book, I mean, you know, interestingly enough, as I, and it's an exercise that I encourage all of my coaching clients to do, which is to write your life story, whether you publish it or not. Uh, writing your life story, you learn so much about yourself and how you respond to situations. Uh, one of the things that I learned in doing that, and it, it's interesting because it was an exercise uh, to adopt, which is part of my story as well. My husband and I wanted to adopt a child. So we'd gone through the process. You have to kind of map out your life in what's called a life book. And um, in doing that, uh, that was the first time that I'd put pen to paper and recognized how many times I'd moved as a child. I knew I'd moved a lot. I'd, I'd whine about it every now and then or comment about it. Um, but to put it down and re- realize that I had moved I'd gone to 12 different schools by the time I was in the ninth grade. Um, wow. It was, a lot of, it was a lot of change. And, uh, you know, I move and people ask me, you know, because I've, I've been in Houston the majority of my life, in Houston, Texas. And uh, people would meet me, and, of course, you know, people, oh, are you, from, are you born in Houston? Are you from Houston originally? And it always felt like a complicated answer because, you know, I lived in Houston, then moved to New Hampshire, and then the family moved back, and then we moved to Seattle, and then we moved back, um, and then I moved in every quadrant within the city of Houston. Um, I would even joke on the phone with American Express one time that my parents were in the witness protection program, so please don't count all the address changes against me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because that, uh, that created a versatility and adaptability um, in me that well suited me for the oil field. And as you mentioned, it, was, it wasn't the quickest industry to change, but when it began to adopt change, it began to do so quite rapidly. Um, 
So I was there in, in, in the time of a lot of rapid change. I mean, there were a lot of conversations about do oil and data mix. And so there I was as a petroleum engineer with this weird, uncanny love for, like, computers and coding and, you know, and, and Fortran. <laughs> um, and so it was, it was a time to, you know, to really, you know, have change on top of change on top of change. I mean, there was so much going on in the, uh, in the wild 90s, I call it. Um, that, uh, you know, with, with all the change that was going on, knowledge management initiatives. So there were lots of transformations going on, and um, excitedly I was a part of them. And, um, but taking those life lessons and re- realizing and remembering how people respond to change, um, you know, personally, and then, of course, then beginning to develop and change management and understanding ProSci and the, and the ADCAR method and just different ways of getting people to adopt change and, you know, system adoption rates and process change. Um, all of that really stemmed from learning how to accept change in my youth and in my childhood. So I'm going to pivot on that for a second. So, you know, I can remember clearly um, the moment I decided I was going to become a, a public speaker and, and, you know, write the book. Do, do you remember that, that moment for you? I do, actually. Um, well, so I've, I've always loved to speak. I'm, I'm a teacher at heart. I think as a kid I played teacher all the time. So I'd, vision, I'd envisioned myself changing the world from the front of the classroom. You know, I wanted to teach. So it was something, you know, in the oil field I always looked for those opportunities um, to teach. When I wasn't, I wasn't happy on my project until it was time to teach someone how to use it. That's when I was like, yes, that's why I'm doing this. It was exciting. Um, so I'd always had this passion about, you know, teaching people, and that is by nature speaking. But when it came to the bigger speaking, that was actually a God thing. That was God calling me to that um, in 2009, actually. So it was before my son even um, got sick. I was very active in youth ministry, and... Um, as a youth ministry leader, we had decided at our retreat, and I was at a very large church, so we had almost 300 um, kids, you know, kids and adults in a room, and we decided, well, we didn't really have a speaker that year, so we were each going to share. And Rick, when I tell you um, just the just the moment of this, what an epiphanal moment it was, it was the first time I publicly shared my testimony, it was the first time I publicly, um, you know, told a room full of people, some of them strangers, some of them kids I had been, you know, walking life with, um, but telling them that my mother had been murdered um, and that, you know, a few months later I went on to college to pursue an engineering degree um, and to hear their response. And it, it was certainly not a, um, not a moment of, of pride because I thank God that he's removed pride, well, not removed, but has certainly um, minimized pride in my life. He's humbled me in several different situations. Um, but it was, it was just really looking at at their faces and seeing how impacted they were um, and having kids come up to me afterwards and, you know, um, I've been making excuses and I really shouldn't and then getting their reports later about how that impacted them to push through their own circumstances and their own adversity, not to make pain a contest, but for them to see that she was able to push through in the midst of all of that and it was a lot of that um, and that moment and just seeing their responses and hearing their feedback, I knew at that moment, this, this is what I should be doing. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. It's a, it's a neat calling, isn't it? It's a it neat is. Calling. It is. 
scary, but it's a neat calling for sure. Oh, yes. Neither knocking, neither wobbling, but <laughs> walking anyway. <laughs> yeah, it, I still get that feeling. If I don't have that feeling, I'm not very good. Um, <laughs> you know, people ask me, do I still get nervous? And I'm like, absolutely. And if I'm not nervous, then I'm not ready. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so when so, but interestingly enough, too, how does being that public speaker or whatever, how do your how do your kids now feel about that? Or, you know, were they younger, obviously, then? But, um, you know, do, do you get any flack for that? Or, or, you know, how does that change your parenting style? Um, so in terms of me sharing things about them? Well, sharing things about them, how do they view you? And, again, just work-life balance, um, you know, has that impact of relationships at all or that kind of stuff? It it has, and I I think they're well. My kids, I think, because they've you know they've been involved in activities and they've seen me cheering for them in the stands for years. Um, so this is a neat opportunity for them to cheer for me in the stands. Um, and so I'm actually grateful that they have the opportunity to you know to do that. I mean, like I spoke at a Toastmasters competition, and my two youngest were there. Um, you know what, half the morning, because we know how those competitions work, um, and, you know, they were they were rooting for me, so while they would have, you know, I'm sure preferred to, you know, be somewhere playing basketball or something else, they were happily there supporting me just as I've, you know, been there supporting them for games and plays and programs. Um, now, how long that will continue, if their patience will run out, I don't know, but for now, they're really excited about the journey, and they're, um, they're, they're, really good cheerleaders right along uh, with me. I will share, though, it's interesting, though, because when I do have those opportunities to share, you know, a lot of my content and material deals with either stories from them. Um, the first time I shared uh, the story about Malcolm before I'd actually published the book, um, I didn't even realize that he was going to be there. He was, you know, he was... 1920 at the time, um, so I didn't realize that he was going to be there. Um, it was it was sharing a halftime devotion at a basketball game. Um, he ended up he, he was actually there, so I was I was wrestling with whether I should change what I was going to share or not um, because I was speaking at the halftime for all of the parents um, and guests and visitors who were uh, there to hear the game or excuse me to to see the game. They would get a devotion at the halftime. And so that was something else. It was a great training ground for me. Um, but so I shared it anyway, and I just, you know, because I prayed about it and I shared it. And he came up to me afterwards and he gave me this huge hug. And he was like, that was great. So um, it's, it's been really neat seeing their excitement about it. And even when I'm, you know, sharing things about them, good, bad, or ugly, um, how supportive they've been has been um, a pleasant surprise. And, you know, in terms of the balance, my youngest now is, is um, 13, almost 14. So as long as I don't miss too many of his games, he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, my, my, my daughter is a big podcast listener so i think she listens in from time to time to make sure i'm not telling any bad stories about her now so that's <laughs> that, that's pretty much where it's at now and um my my wife knows uh well enough that i i wouldn't share anything uh that's going to come back and bite me so i think i'm <laughs> i'm safe there yeah. but uh, no but it, it's interesting because you know being on the radio now and in and being a professional speaker as long as i have it's great that they just see me as you know dad yeah um yeah. And and that hasn't changed quite a bit. But when we first got started, it was it was an adjustment. It was an adjustment period and something that they had to go through and uh, and look at. But my kids were very young when I first got started, and, and I remember 
um, going to a speech, and, and there was probably 3,500, 4,000 in the room, and for them to see, you know, dad in front of stage there, they that was like the first time they were like, wow, so that's, but then every time I left, you know, it, it could have been a small consulting gig, but they thought I was doing that every time I left the, <laughs> the house, so um, we had a, to, to let them know that's not always the case. Um, but very interesting. So uh, we're going to take our final break here, and so we'll uh, have one more segment to uh, to visit. But I'm going to go ahead and give you a precursor. So on the last segment, always we like to ask our guests, you know, what is the uh, the best advice they've ever been given? So we'll give you a little bit of uh, a chance to mull over that um, on this final break. You're listening to the Work Life Balance with Rick Morris. Today, every business is in the software business. And business is booming. That's because we live in an application-driven world where the lines between physical and digital are blurrier every day. It's a world where billions of connected things talk to each other. Where agility is the new driver of competitive advantage. Where applications aren't just part of your brand. They are your brand. All of this means you have a new mandate. Build the apps that will drive the future of your business and satisfy demanding customers, or fall behind. Only CA Technologies has the years of expertise and the end-to-end portfolio of software solutions to help you plan, build, manage, secure, and scale the applications at the heart of your modern enterprise. To learn how your business can thrive, visit rewrite.ca.com, your exclusive source for insights from the cutting edge of the application economy. This is not a radio ad. It's a collection of computers, servers, transmitters, satellites, and receivers, all powered by the most transformative force in business today, software. Just think about how many applications you have within reach at this very moment. And not just on your phone. If you're in your car, software is powering the GPS that guides you. Turn left ahead. The digital road signs that direct you onward. And the engine computer that keeps you moving. Soon, software will even replace you as the driver. Switching to auto drive mode. This is life in the application economy. And the opportunities for businesses are endless. But only if you have the tools to seize them. From planning to development to management to security, end-to-end software solutions from CA Technologies can help your business succeed in this new application-driven world. Learn how at rewrite.ca.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back for the final segment of the Work-Life Balance. Uh, Another special shout-out as the uh, lead-in music there. We all know that is the song Switch from The Party. And uh, yesterday was Chasen Hampton's birthday, which uh, what a fantastic show that was uh, from last year. Uh, you can always scroll through the uh, archives on the Work-Life Balance 
Uh, if you go to voiceamerica.com and search the work-life balance, the archives are there. You can go to rickamorris.com, click on the work-life balance tab, and find those shows there. We had Chase and uh, Damon on the show uh, last year, but uh, happy birthday to uh, Chase and Hampton, who's a new father. So, so excited about that. And so coming back, um, Alana, so please uh, tell us the, the process uh, of writing your book. Uh, well, you know, Rick, I, I often refer to my book as the most impactful project that I've ever worked on. Um, it was, you know, because there was such a personal tie to it, uh, you know, but interestingly, as a project manager, yeah, I created a Gantt chart, I created a budget and worked on, you know, worked my project schedule, you know, I created the plan and then I worked the plan. Um, so what we learned in project management. Uh, and it's funny because I remember my first project management class, the instructor telling me, oh, you'll create Gantt charts for everything. And I thought he was kidding. And the reality is, I do. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about um, your consulting firm uh, in these last few segments here. Okay, so my consulting firm, Two Hill Consulting Services, I've been in existence for almost 10 years now, so actually 2016 was my 10-year anniversary, so that was exciting, especially um, given that my clients were primarily oil and gas, or actually exclusively oil and gas when I started. I diversified um, later, um, but uh, it's a project management consultancy, uh, provide project management primarily in the talent development space um, because that, was, that has become... Um, my favorite functional area, if you will, I've worked, I've done project management cross-function, you know, in IT, sales and marketing, quality and knowledge management, um, but I wanted to niche into talent development because um, not only are uh, learning systems valuable, so it was a way to still utilize um, my IT background, but because I knew how people-facing it was and how people-impactful it was, um, you know, training within an organization is not just learning for the sake of learning, it's learning for the sake of growing and growing in your career, and um, so I've always been passionate about that, so it allowed me to do project management, but in a space that I, that I rather enjoyed. And so, so, I mean, tell us about some of uh, the successes and things that you've had there uh, with the firm. So I've done some, so I've, I've actually implemented some learning management systems. I got to the point where I'm like, if I implement one more learning management system, but they're actually fun <laughs> because uh, when you look at, you know, what an LMS does for an organization, it's, you know, again, it's a way for people to keep track of, you know, of what they've learned and someone who is as passionate about learning and teaching as I am. Um, it's interesting to, it, it's just always fun and, and rewarding to be able to work on projects that the outcome are something that, that are of interest to you. Um, so um, I've done some, you know, learning management system implementations, uh, the change management around them. Probably one of the most interesting was taking an active training program for an entire um, enterprise-wide um, engineering population and then changing that training program. Um, so, you know, all of the grandfathering had to be taken into account. So there was a considerable amount of change impact that had to be taken into account um, because if you think about it, if you move that kind of cheese, um, then people's promotions could become an issue. And um, so you have not only the issues, I guess, you know, around the legality of that, but around how that, how that happens, um, how that affects people's morale. Um, so it was, it, was, it was rewarding to be part of something that was improving morale and not uh, diminishing it. Um, and then, of course, I, I would have to say that probably my most uh, rewarding 
um, project was working with the community affairs organization um, within, and that was actually within Schlumberger, and they had launched um, a new uh, a new entity that was reaching out to their employees and retirees to do um, grants and to um, impact the community. So um, having been so much of a servant leader in my community, it was a chance where my world uh, collided and I was able to utilize project management and change management uh, to bring about uh, some new systems and processes for that group. Outstanding. So what's, what's the future hold for you? What's, what's next? So the future for me, aside from uh, keynote speaking, uh, which I'm really looking forward to in 2017, I've done some smaller ones in the past and really looking for bigger markets and bigger audiences. Um, so, you know, moving full steam ahead with that, um, my consultancy has evolved a bit from project management practicing to project management training. So I've, I've really been focusing on that in the past couple of years and enjoy that. I, I'm, I'm really getting a kick out of developing the next generation of project managers, um, people who, you know, are like, who is Gantt or what is a Gantt chart and, you know, teaching them risk management and all of this uh, foundational project management that they, and then I have the opportunity to show them how they can apply it to so many areas of their life, uh, which then segues into the other offering in Two Hill Consulting, which is coaching both uh, professional coaching, uh, but then also uh, personal coaching, launching my uh, Engineered for Purpose coaching program that helps people launch and move forward in whatever area of their life that they're trying to um, elevate. Have you uh, found Speaker Hub yet? Speaker Hub, no. I'm making yep, a note go, of that. Yep, go check that out. Speakerhub.com is uh, a platform that I found in, in the sense of new engagements. Um, so, side note, and a, a free plug for uh, Speaker Hub, but uh, uh, I have found a ton of new conferences and, and opportunities out there. Um, had no idea there was that many conferences uh, outside of the ones that I'm already aware of. So, a uh, nice little resource uh, to go find for you. Uh, and there's also another new resource uh, called papercall.io. Um, which I found through Speaker Hub, but um, it's a way for you to put your speeches and content online, and a lot of new conferences are doing open calls for papers on that, and uh, just a way to easily submit. So there's some some resources for you as far as on the keynote trail. Cool. Thank you. See, you're a great mentor, Rick. Ah, try. I try, (laughs) but not a mentor. We're friends. We're friends. Friends. So uh, right before we wrap up, uh, always the big question we like to ask, what, uh, what is the greatest advice you've ever been given? The greatest advice I've ever been given came from my husband, um, Rodney. Before I speak or before I train or do anything new, there's a little sense of anxiety, and you know, I'll ponder it, and he says his, his advice was, do you, babe, and it'll be great. And he said that to me on more than one occasion, and it's not just reassuring, but it just it's uh, it's just it's great advice to just to be myself and to be authentic and um, and the results have have been um, amazing from his advice. So I appreciate it. It's very supportive and very true. Well, Lana, we we certainly appreciate you being on the show. Uh, we've loved having you. I look forward to seeing you again. Um, I certainly will let you know when I'm going to be in the Houston area. You need to let me know when you're going to be in my neck of the woods. I definitely um, will. And tell everyone on uh, Facebook Live we said hello. Hello, and, Facebook. Uh, <laughs> that was from and, Rick. Uh, 
and we will be talking to you soon. Uh, next week, we're going to have uh, Frank Keck on the show. Uh, I met Frank at an event in uh, South Carolina, and we've since uh, struck up a friendship as well. Uh, so we'll look forward to having him on the show and, and sharing him his stuff. He's actually not in the project management sector, but uh, uh, does a lot of the soft skills and soft skill training. So we'll look forward to having Frank on the show. Uh, again, I'll be in Nashville, Tennessee uh, on the 17th and 18th. So I look forward to seeing you guys there. Got some events coming up in Washington uh, proper. So uh, Spokane, Washington. Got some events coming up in D.C., events coming up in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. So we'll be announcing all those dates uh, as they solidify uh, central uh, Iowa. Uh, so I'll be going out to Iowa soon as well. Uh, so we'll look forward to announcing those dates soon. And again, as soon as the release date, uh, I should have that any moment for No Day But Today. Uh, so as soon as that date is known, we will release that as well. I'm sure there'll be a huge marketing push for that. Uh, so as always, we thank everyone for listening. We look forward to talking to you next week on the Work-Life Balance. You've been listening to Rick Morris. We love you. We thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show.